Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Toronto proud to announce from Zurich, Men's League, Switzerland, U.S. program, Austin Matthews. The penalty box, Nylander gets an extra shift. William Nylander shoots. He scores! The coach played a hot shot. The kid has his first National Hockey League goal. What's going on, everyone? Thanks for joining us again on the Tip of the Tower Maple Leafs podcast. Joining me, as always, is Jake Middleton and David Morissuti. Guys, scary injury last night to Morgan Riley. Um, at first, it didn't look so good, but reports today, you know, ankle injury doesn't sound too severe. Thoughts on that? Well, it, you know, it didn't look good, but, um, I, I mean, we've seen some pretty gruesome uh, football inju- injuries, especially in the playoffs. So I, I can see where maybe it didn't look as severe. They're saying it's more his ankle. Um, no, but it's, I mean, when Riley goes down, that's like, I mean, for other teams, that's that's your top defenseman going down. It's it's not something you want to see. It definitely, uh, definitely made, especially that early in the game too. Like he, if it was later on in the game, they could have probably, may, may not have been as big of a deal, but because it happened earlier, that's where, like, I think the fear really uh, came in. Yeah, no, I mean, I just hate seeing those those buckle jobs with the with the defensemen, or not even defensemen in football when they get rolled up on. It just it always looks so bad, and that's what it looked like. It was an awkward landing. A guy landed on his it looked like his, his was it his right leg or his left leg? It was his right leg, the one that he had uh, ACL yeah, surgery on. Yeah, the one that he had ACL surgery on. So you're immediately thinking back to that when he was in his draft year, and you're thinking, oh, no. Yeah, yeah. Not. thanks, Chris, for that reminder last night, by the way. I had to, yeah. Honestly, that's the first thing that came to my mind. Is right when he got rolled up on, I thought, holy shit, that's the knee he got surgery on. I uh, couldn't remember which one it was. That's why when you said it, I'm like, oh, God. Yeah, I was yeah. terrified right away. So luckily, though, it sounds like – I know the Leafs didn't say much this morning – Babcock just said, you know, they never will. So, yeah, exactly. Darren Drager said that it's an ankle injury and it's not suspected to be like the severity is not known yet. But by the sounds of it, Riley was walking around at the media at the uh, questions and all that was a good spirits, apparently. So I guess the severity is not too bad. Well, not that fair to say. I mean, I mean, if he's talking to the media and, you know, and as you said, you know, we know how the Leafs are with injuries like. We still don't even know what's going on with Kasperi Kapanen right now, so that I think. That... Yeah, what what is that? By the way, I how can you do this? I don't understand how a league that is under scrutiny so often can just can basically just go around and not give any information. It seems very, very weird. I mean, I get the tactical things about it, but. You know, uh, I mean, with guys that are out an extended period of time, you should at least be releasing what it is, unless they truly don't know what his injury is. But I just don't believe that to be the case at all. 
Me neither. I think with a guy like Lamarillo, who's been around for a long time, and you know somebody, uh, one of his former players, kind of has a lawsuit against him right now. Him and the New Jersey organization. So <laughs> I think, you know, I think he knows what he's doing here when it comes to holding back information with injuries. So not not going to point fingers, but you can kind of connect the dots here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I know. So I, with yeah, no, go I was ahead. Say so with uh with Riley out now for, we'll say at least until the weekend. Frank Corrado draws into the lineup, finally. I know a lot of people want to see that. Um, he's going to play with Connor Carrick. Riley's going to play – or uh, sorry, not Riley. Gardner's going to play Zaitsev. Our beloved Hunlack is going to stay together. Um, how do you think this is all going to work out, guys, in the short term here? I mean, obviously they're going to lean on Gardner and Zaitsev a lot, but after that, what do you do? Oh, I mean, we, we, we're we really going to see how much uh, Babcock's going to be putting uh, Polak and Hunwick. I mean, you know they're going to keep playing on the uh, penalty go. It's all going to be how much they decide to play Carrick and, uh, and Corrado because, honestly, they have no choice but to play those guys because Gardner, I know he played 29 minutes uh, you know, over 29 minutes against Buffalo, and I don't want to see Garner playing more than 26 minutes. Even even tw- he's out, he rarely plays over 23, 24 a night, so I don't want to see him getting overworked. Zaitsev has kind of gotten used to playing a lot. Again, we don't want him getting burnt out either. So you're he, they're going to have to trust that that Carrick and. Uh, and Marinson, I'm oh, sorry, Marinson, Corrado. Oh, God, why did I say Marinson? Uh, Corrado pairing because they, they can't, they can't, especially on five on five and the power play. That's the, I think that's the part that's going to uh, suffer the most is the power play. Unless they go with more, uh, they, you put Carrick and then you put a forward at the point that may, that would probably make the most sense, but. Um, you're gonna you're gonna have to you're gonna see a five on five the impact because that's the impact that Marco Raleigh had the most at was at five on five. Yeah, no, I mean for me, uh, I guess it's okay for Corrado to get in there. Honestly, I up until last night, I totally forgot he was on the roster. <laughs> I, I I mean, I guess it's like a common thing with with him, but gee, <laughs> Jesus, it, it didn't really make sense for me. Um, I would have liked to see a younger guy who's having a lot of success in the minors, Andrew Nielsen, get maybe a game or two and maybe a guy like Travis Dermott. But, you know, I mean, you kind of feel for uh, Frankie Corrado and hopefully he gets not an extended period of time, but at least a couple games because, I mean, it's just completely unfair for him to be thrown into the fire and given like one game to see how he does. So hopefully, hopefully he'll be given a shot and not just given like seven minutes, which is what the overdrive guys were thinking that he is. And I think he will get like seven minutes too. So. You, you know what? It would have been worse. I don't know if you saw it on Twitter. Oh, I I I, I showed you Jake, but that uh, uh, Stefan Robida was seen at practice and coaching yeah. gear. Imagine because he's, <laughs> he's not even on the IR. They don't have him on the IR. Um, from what I from what I saw. Imagine if he, like they decided to put him in over Corrado, just like in spite. Like that would have been absolutely atrocious. But like, <sighs> like Corrado, this is obviously. I think this is his last one of his last chances. This has to be probably his last chance. One hundred percent. Well, here let's set the line for his minutes tomorrow night. How many? I think I'll set the line of what? Uh, man, ten and a half over under. 
I feel like he's got to go over that. I think he's got their situation. No, I don't think so. I think he plays. I feel that's low. I think he plays 12, 12 minutes, 12, 13 minutes, and that's it. And I, because he's not going to play on the power play, he's not playing on the penalty. Well, I mean, they may have to play on the penalty kill because who else will they play on the penalty kill other than Zaitsev, Hunwick, uh, Polak? Polak. Yeah, but you got to have someone else. You're not going to. Keep keep uh, two guys staying in front of Frederick Anderson the entire penalty kill. You got actually have guys that are gonna move around and do stuff. They they gotta hope they stay out of the box, right? Oh, I, I do think it's gonna have a whole trickle down effect, though. Oh man, no, this is definitely gonna have like people like people have given uh, Morgan Riley some uh, some grief or like he's had his fair share of uh, comments. I'll say, especially when we gave our when I gave my uh, grading for him for the midseason. People and then when he get this is when you truly understand the value of a player is when he's not in the lineup because of an injury, and you're wondering what's going to happen with him out. Who's going to step up and what are they going to do? Are they? This is this is the type of debate that only happens when you lose a player this valuable, and we're starting to see that now. Yeah, I mean, this whole year I don't think he's been he's been great. I think he's been underwhelming. I think people can agree on that but that's because we had such high expectations for him exactly i think the expectations that he was going to be like our duncan keith is is completely ridiculous i mean he's a good defenseman it's not i mean he's kind of like forced into that number one role because there's really nobody else that can even come close to filling it i mean he still logs a ton of minutes i think he's has the second most shifts in the league if if I recall them hearing that correctly, but you know, he's a really good player. And if he goes, if he's out for an extended period of time, I think uh, that I think the Leafs would be in a lot of trouble. Luckily it's a day, day to day sort of thing. But if he was out for like a month, that would be pretty bad because there's just nothing behind him. There's, there's, they have three defensemen. And if you lose one of the big three, you're, you're screwed. Well, for me, the scary thing about all this, like if they do lose Riley for a long period of time, is that, yeah, Gardner's had a really good season. I'll be honest, I'm one of his biggest fans of what he's done. But a lot of this has been coming against second and third lines, not top lines of what like what Riley and Zeiss have been going against. You look at Hunlack for a third pairing, sure. You can as terrible as they are some nights. You know it's worked thus far. They got away with them. Now they're going to be playing second, third line guys. Just the quality of competition that these guys are going to start facing now is a lot better. And I don't know if they're ready to take that on yet. So I'm, I'm kind of concerned in that regard. I mean, those guys are kind of the ones you're winning despite of, not right? with. Um, but, yeah, I was cringing when I saw that Hun, uh, Hunwick was creeping towards the 30-minute mark. Oh, like, oh, my God. How many minutes? He played like 28 minutes, right? 27, I believe. 27-20, I think, last and night. And, like, his legs are – his foot speed is just not what it should be. So, Dude, they're below almost – they're almost near 40% puck possession – on the ice in five on five, like that's both um, Hunwick and Polak. I know you're not the biggest advanced stats guy, like fan of it, Jake, but I the only <laughs> one horrific. I would even believe in is Corsi because, like, if you hold the puck, that makes sense to me. The other ones, I don't, know. I don't know. It doesn't make sense to me. <laughs> okay, here something I found interesting when you two were talking was uh, you guys kept saying how important it was for Riley to be in the lineup. You know, the, the Leafs can't afford to lose him. If you had to rank the players that the Leafs could ill afford to lose, who would it be? Anderson we would be number one. Today on the radio, but uh, go first, Dave. Anderson would be number one. 
Number two, uh, I would say Matthews. I mean, Riley, actually, let me say Riley second, Matthews third. Jeez. Just because. I, I say the exact same order. Just because, Really? Just yeah. because Riley plays so much, the role he plays. Matthews, they can afford to lose Matthews for a, a game, maybe a straight, like, two, three, four games. You, I don't think you can lose Riley for more than four games and get away with it. Like, at least with uh, with Matthew, because the Leafs have organizational depth at forward. Yeah, like you can center, force Nylander to play. You can force Nylander to play center. Yeah, and especially because he can play the the matchups that favor Neil. Especially now that they're at home, this is kind of going to work in their favor where they can get the matchups they want. Uh, especially for for their defense, and if that were to happen, let's see. Knock on wood, because I'm actually going to knock on wood right now that Matthews doesn't get injured. Um, yeah, he's a, I don't know. He's a he's a pretty usually the horse boys. Yeah, yeah he horse. he what he brings to the ice that you can't you can't. Any, he just seems can, like he's going to be an Iron Man. Huh? Yeah, you can't. You know, you, you yeah. can't you can't expect any other player to do. I mean, again, I'll knock on wood for that, but he he seems like a guy that will have some. Uh, yeah. Dude, he's so smart out there too, right? He doesn't put himself in dangerous positions. He's always exactly. kind of you know, well. You see, Eric evades Eric Carlson tried to take that a... I, I hate seeing out of young hockey players is guys that will put themselves like turn when they're getting hit to yeah. either draw a penalty. It's like, just, like come on, you got to be healthy here. Well, Matthews is like a star quarterback in a sense where he understands how valuable he is to the team and his value is on the ice. So he yeah. always keeps himself out of danger, which is smart. Well. Well, Eric yeah. Carlson tried to plant him into the boards, and he sidestepped him, and Carlson ended up checking the boards on Saturday. Exactly. Like, so. right there, you're being smart. He's not taking shots. Again, it's like the quarterback thing. He could easily take a shot and bounce off of it like Cam Newton, but you keep taking shots, it's going to add up. And, you know, avoiding shots like that is huge. You know, I'm gonna have to. Uh, I'm gonna disagree with you guys a bit with the whole Riley before Matthews thing, though, just because I feel like if Matthews is gone, he's kind of became the lifeblood of this franchise in a sense where all the guys around him get so much confidence. He just he's re- literally rejuvenated this whole entire organization, and to lose him, I think, would just be crippling to their psyche. Whereas Riley, you know, it's gonna suck. They all said how much of a leader he's in the locker room, but I think the Leafs can kind of maneuver things around to make it work. Where would you put Matthews then? I'd put him at two. I'd go Anderson one, Matthews two, Riley three, and then after that, I feel like we could debate through a bunch of guys. But I think Zaitsev is Zaitsev would be uh, would be four. Yeah, yeah, he's then been Gardner, really good. then Marner. Yeah, I would go with that too. Kadri, you could put Kadri yeah. in there too. Some like, I was gonna ask about Kadri. Kadri, well, the thing is, like Kadri plays, yeah, he plays a more defensive role, and he's scoring now. He's putting up the points, which is good. But you can't equate what Matthews, Riley, and Anderson mean to this team. I think maybe Kadri kind of offsets it. He makes things a little easier up front for Matthews. Well, Kadri does all the things nobody else wants to do, right? Yeah. yeah. Like, a lot of the dirty work he does, only him and Komarov, and they play together, so that helps a lot. Also, it helps that he's the guy that is like actually willing to line up against the number one lines because that, that's like a mentality thing, too. If you're like an exceptionally offensively talented guy – you don't want to have to worry about defense. And mm-hmm. it it feels like his mentality and his confidence comes from shutting that, shutting guys down. I like agree how with many, that. How many nice goals has he scored this year? Like, probably none. Yeah, they're except all those maybe, scrappy around the net. Except that, okay, the, the Ottawa one, or not Ottawa, the Oilers one was really nice. Like, yeah. You know, he just is getting his nose in there. 
and he's playing with a lot of confidence. For me, he's he's easily been the most surprising player. Hit him or I, I think I voted for Z- uh, Zaitsev in our little uh, in our little uh, what's it called the round table, but. Kadri's definitely um, up there. He was also like a team MVP kind of thing, too. Yeah, he's been playing really well. And I think your point about centers that are top-line talents like that not wanting to play defense is valid because look at Alain Vignon for years with the Canucks and even now the Rangers. He deploys his top-line guys in the offensive zone more than just about anybody in the league. And we've seen more and more teams utilize that same strategy, and it's paying dividends. I mean, why make these guys play a whole, like, 200-foot game. Like, even the Hawks with Patrick Kane, they make him just play the offensive zone for the most part. Just maximize their guy, time. Yeah, maximize their skill set. I mean, okay, if so, guy's not good at defense, just don't make him play defense. Couldn't have said it any better. I mean, yeah. here, let, let's put a bow on this whole Morgan Riley, you know, and Leafs def- defensive thing here. One of the things that's came up, it's, it's more of an idea than a rumor at this point, is if Riley misses an extended, extended period of time, should the Leafs go pursue Kevin Shattenkirk? No. No? Okay, that's a quick answer. Dave? <laughs> uh, no, because I think the price is going to be too high. Not getting squeezed either. Jake, just like the resentment, you can hear it through his voice right now. No. <laughs> I, I just hate hearing on, on the radio, like, oh, yeah, we should trade Nylander for Shattenkirk if he signs a deal. No. Yeah, I wouldn't do it either. <laughs> like, I, I don't know why so many people are like, yeah, we got to deal Nylander. I, I heard Gino Retta, he's like, I don't see him as a first-line player. It's like, what are you watching? Like, The guy has elite offensive skill, but <laughs> there are not many guys have that skill. He reminds me of Nicholas Backstrom. Thank you, especially on the power play. When he says on the half board. And he like... just he can hold the puck, and he just controls the puck. He is, and he's really, really nifty on defense. He can, he's really good. He's like Datsuk in, in the way that he can just steal the puck from you, and you won't notice. Yeah, See, I think your whole your mentioning of on the power play, especially with how he can hold the puck. The I don't think a lot of people. Yeah, and the and, way he can just control it on the on the blue line, it's it's rare. Yeah. Well, what's what's important about that too is because Gardner plays the opposite side of him, so it kind of creates balance where it forces you to you actually have to defend the entire ice. Or and we'll see some teams, too. they shadow everything. Yeah. They'll kind of funnel everything now. A lot of penalty kills will just funnel everything to one side and dare you to beat them with that. And now you can't do that with the least power play. No. And that's that's another reason why they're so hot. They have legitimate guys that can handle the puck. There's no guys that it's just like, hey, Lucic, sit in front of the net. Like, go ahead. Like, you're, you're not going to handle the puck ever. If you are, it's it's never going in the net. <laughs> if he's out there on the half wall shooting. But... Even guys like JVR. Did you see that goal yesterday? Ridiculous. Oh, my God. The people, under, people are like, wow, that's a lucky goal. Like, If you watch him before games, I was in Ottawa this weekend. I was watching him warm up. He just practices lifting it from the side all the time. And the funny thing is he says, I had nothing to pass to, so I thought I'd just shoot it. It's like, okay, most players would have like tried to – would have wouldn't, would have tried the pass. And – no, and no, you're totally right. Like JVR, he's always been like that in front of the net too. Like he's always had those types of goals. And Nylander, one other thing about Nylander that I really liked is that you he's been moved around how many times throughout this season. He's always been. I mean, he started with the season Matthews, and now he's they had him at the on the fourth line for a, for a short stint, and then now he's with uh, Kadri. And I think 
his play on Kadri's line has kind of also helped with that line offensively. Like Komarov a lot too. He's been he was awakened a little bit. Guy was in a slumber. Well, what usually happens with these types of guys is when you have a guy like Nylander, the defense focuses on him, and the other guys they they don't get as much attention. And you've no, I think I, that's probably what we're seeing right now. And I uh, I, I like Nylander. I've always liked Nylander. I think Nylander kind of could afford to shoot the puck more. I think he has a good shot. Uh, so I want I I do want to see Nylander take a little more of that into his game and. No, I mean, I think the center thing is still up in the air. I don't think Babcock is uh, as willing to give him more chances at playing center, but he's still, he's only 20. And you can't, you can't, I don't think you can base his uh, production as a center yet. So, not trading him away. You can't trade a guy like that at that that age. Unless you're getting Jacob Truba, who's the same age, and he's a top pairing defenseman. Get out of here. No, well, Truba's older, but he's not that uh, he's much. He's not older. much older. He might be two years older. He he's the same age as Riley, so two years older. Yeah, so he's a ninety-four. He's twenty-two. Yeah, so yeah, I I, I don't I wouldn't, and that's what was the I couldn't even remember what initially the Jets wanted, and now that you look at the way the Jets are, ugh, you, can you afford to give up on a guy like Truba with the way everything is going over in Winnipeg? If he doesn't want to play there. What are you gonna do? You might as well try and get something, right? I mean, they're gonna get a little more than something. There's a team that'll pay them, but their astronomical want is—it's gotta come down. Yeah. I mean, some of the things you're starting to hear now too is that with the Penguins and the uncertainty around Chris Letang, do they become buyers for a defenseman? And man, do they even consider shopping Letang? Is it another thing being uh, thrown around? Pittsburgh? Yeah. I wouldn't. I don't think they move on. Who said that? It's just been going around boards and Twitter and whatnot. Nothing, nothing serious. I don't even think oh, any te- the armchair GM. Yeah, exactly, exactly. The thing yeah. is good. I don't even think a team would want to take the risk of having a guy that's injured as much as he is. Are you serious? The the guy's amazing. He is yeah, amazing, but the injuries are always gonna. Cre- There's guys that deserve probably deserve a better shot. Another. We just saw Jose Bautista come back to the Jays because nobody wanted to pay him because. I guarantee the number one reason was because of his injuries and his age. I, I, I guarantee it's because of his ego and because yeah. he's a flat-out jackass. A lot of people, <laughs> people hate him, yeah. Well, yeah, I think that's the number one reason. Look at, like, for Latang, reasons why you keep a guy like that, look at last year's cup run. He was sensational. Oh, that was yeah, great. He, he's the reason they were there, uh, him and Crosby. Yeah, they literally just eviscerated teams on a nightly basis. You couldn't do anything about it. Both of them were just so good. Two other guys that are, you know, Hopefully going to be as good in the future. We talk about him in the same realm. Jack Eichel, Austin Matthews. Last night's game, all the talk leading into it was about, you know, the whole Eichel versus Matthews, first time in their career, round one per se. Uh, will this be enough to revitalize the Toronto-Buffalo rivalry? All, all that, you know, mumbo-jumbo talk everybody likes to bring up. Did you guys take anything away from that? Do you think this can become a rivalry again? Do you think Eichel-Matthews is something worth talking about? What are your thoughts on that, guys? Yeah, the, is it the 401 is the one that connects it? What's the highway? QEW. Yeah. QEW. <laughs> Sorry. I live there, so. Yeah, QEW rivalry. <laughs> it should be alive and well. I mean, you need the Sabres to hold up their end of the bargain. But, I mean, for all the people saying, you know, Matthews is better and who's better, that kid's go over there in Buffalo is really good, and he's going to be good for a long time. They're the same age. 
I think, you know, it's been a really dormant rivalry ever since when, was it the 90s? 99 when they were in the conference final? Late 90s, early 2000s. Yeah, that's when they really got fired up. And, you know, I think if the Sabres can pick it up and, you know, they got Alex Nylander coming as a really good player and maybe they get a new coach or a GM that can put the right moves together, they're going to be a pretty good team too. And, you know, obviously that would be great for both markets. It would be fun because I was in Ottawa and there were a lot of Leafs fans there. And I imagine that does not sit well with uh, Senators fans and it wouldn't sit well with Sabres fans because it's probably going to happen there too. And you, you know these cities hate each other, so it, it's more than right that, that it would become a serious robbery again. I think, you know, it's going to get pushed by the media, obviously the matchup between these two star players, but it's just something that's going to be really exciting moving forward and hopefully, hopefully the Leafs and Sabres can continue on their trajectory upward. Sam Bowsman had a great quote, though, too, when he said, uh, they asked him, what do you think about the Maple Leafs' early season success? You know, do, do you hear about it all? He's like, we can hear about it from across the border, like basically saying that nobody shuts up talking about it. So I think it does bother the Sabres that the Leafs are kind of passing them. Yeah, for sure. Well, it's, always, it's been ever since Babcock decided to come to Toronto, and Buffalo apparently believing that they had him first. Um, yeah, okay. But, uh, <laughs> like, like when you look at Matthews and Eichel, they're kind of two different players in, like, the way they play, they approach the game. Um, I mean, Eichel's a phenomenal player. I think Buffalo, ever since they lost out on the McDavid sweepstakes, <coughs> sorry, um, I think they should be pretty happy that they got Jack Eichel because we've seen other uh, in other drafts where teams kind of have to sell for a second guy, and the second guy is nowhere close. So the first guy in Jack Eichel is pretty good, but no, I this this I think this rivalry would be good. I think I think in order for it would be good for more like the uh, the media and the broad like the the TV you know watching the games on TV with that type of rivalry to build up more than for the players. I think the players will be competitive no matter what, and we saw that we saw that last night, and I don't know it's. It's a bit overblown. I don't think we should be forcing a rivalry. I think the rivalries will just... And I think I wrote about this before. The rivalries will just... It'll just come. It'll come naturally. The ones against the Senators came because of the playoffs and how how much each team just hated each other and wanted to move on to the next round. Like Those things will happen. You just have to let it happen for themselves. Just don't force the issue. It will eventually come to it. Considering the proximity of these two teams, too, I mean, it would be pretty cool to see them play in the first round of the playoffs against each other. Maybe not this year, but in future years, I think that would be something fun to watch. Yeah, as Jake said, Buffalo's got to hold up their end of the bargain and maybe not get, get overpay on guys like uh, Cody Franz and then Josh Georges to play on the team. <laughs> <laughs> I, hey, your I completely forgot that Cody Franz is still in the NHL. <laughs> I was like, wow, he can't skate. He is so slow. I forgot how slow he is. Your buddy uh, Harrington there, Mike Harrington, Jake, <laughs> your buddy, yeah. he wrote a funny piece this morning about how, you know, what wasn't really funny. I mean, it was serious, but I found it funny about how the Leafs have surpassed the Sabres in the rebuild and all the reasons why and how Buffalo should really look in the mirror and consider the mistakes they've made, blah, blah, blah. I know you can't read it because he blocked you, but yeah. um, <laughs> that was pretty funny. Uh. 
Wow. I might have to check it out. Yes, yeah, it's worth it's worth reading. So obviously, last night was the forty second game of the season. Yeah. Before that, we gave out all our mid season awards, grades. Um, man. Should we just break it down? I don't know if you guys want to go through grades or awards. I mean, we can take it whichever way you like here. Uh, I think. Uh, well, obviously, we want the people to go, awards. We want the people yeah. to read it, but we can just give our just give our little sum down of it. Yeah, I mean MVP guys, who'd you put this season for the first half? Well, I I said it was Frederick Anderson, just because you look at the numbers. Two of the two, so the Leafs have won what twenty? We said twenty was it twenty one games now? He, uh, I think it was. Yeah. yeah, yeah. The backup goalies have only two wins this season. <laughs> two, okay. If you want to talk about a guy that's moved this, that's given this team a chance to move forward, it has been Frederick Anderson. I and guess what? Austin Matthews has definitely helped that too, with the way that he's kind of been able to gel and just push the, I mean, he's third in the league in score in goal scored, which is phenomenal. But Anderson has his, his impact on this team has not, we haven't had a glory like this since, Oh, I mean, we talk about, you know, Belfour and, and Cujo, like those goalies that, that came, came in and had an immediate impact. I'm not talking about guys that came in and may have took, taken them a little bit of time to get, he's had an impact right away. It took him a month, but he's had he's changed this, the whole outlook of this team into possibly waiting and seeing how things go. It's like now they were talking about the playoffs. Yeah, uh, I mean, I, I totally agree with Dave, but I I have to go with Austin Matthews. I mean, just from the perspective of how much he's changed the team. I mean, yeah, the Leafs had some really good goaltending last year with James Reimer. Obviously not over a consistent uh, period of time like uh, Anderson has done and not at a complete elite level like he's done. But it was close for a month or two there. But, I mean, just the glaring hole that was filled in not only the number one center role, but just in the franchise. I mean, it's absurd how many Matthews jerseys I've seen. I've gone to three games this year. I think I've seen... Maybe 70% are of his jersey. And it's just, there's finally like a light at the end of the tunnel. And he's just that franchise player that the Leafs haven't had since Sundin was in his prime. I mean, and not only that, he's been performing too. I mean, at an elite level too. I don't know about Pierre Maguire saying he's the number two player in the league, but he's definitely in the top 10. And for a 19 year old, that's incredible. Both on the offensive end and defensive end. Uh, he's completely changed this, uh, this franchise and has rejuvenated our fan base, which is something that was very necessary. I put the same thing. I put I put Austin Matthews, and for most of the same reasons, I'm not going to get into uh, you know reiterating literally what Jake just said. I mean, for me, it was the on ice and off ice effect. But man, Freddie's been pretty damn solid too this year, so I'll give the slight edge to Austin Matthews. Most surprising player, guys, who's it been so far, or most improved, as you like to say, Jake. I put Mitch Marner, and the reason why is I didn't expect him. To, I expect him to be good. I didn't expect him to be this good this early. I mean, we talked about how his training camp last season did not go well, and kind of a disappointment that when he got sent back to London and 
we were thinking maybe he would have put up more of a made it the decision to go back to London last year a bit harder. But what he's been able to do, especially because he and Backhawks talked about how he is the driving force of his own line. On his line are two veteran players, James Van Riesen and Tyler Bozak. But the little things he does on the ice, whether it's in the defensive zone, shot blocking, just the things he does, and you wonder how is he able to do it. He he his brain. I don't know how his brain computes at a level that I've, I can't. I don't understand how he's able to do it. Um, I I think that's something he really worked on this past well this past year, and it was a. Uh, I think it was just good to give him a chance to just play and not worry about. How many games is he going to play? Are they going to worry about sending him back to juniors? Are they going to go with the whole 40 games limit about his UFA status? Should he play in the world juniors? I just like that he's just kind of let his play dictate what he what what the team should do with him, and he's he's exceeded expectations for me. Yeah, he, Jake, I mean, who you got? He's been amazing, and he there were like four guys in this list that, uh, that were on my ballot for who I would have voted for. Um, him, uh, JVR, um, Zaitsev, yeah, Zaitsev, uh, Freddie Anderson didn't think he would be this good. Um, but all, and Connor Brown too, but ultimately I went with, uh, Nikita Zaitsev. I mean, just, I have no idea where this team would be without him. I mean, he is a top four legit defenseman on any team in the league. I mean, just to get him for free, too, especially considering in a league as competitive as the NHL, if you can get guys for free and you have to pay them entry-level deals, you will literally see GMs go into cage fights for players like that. I mean, he's been amazing. I can't think of how terrible they would be if they didn't have him. And to think that they got him for nothing and pretty much just because their scouting did an incredible job, by the way, is just gives me hope as to why the Leafs don't have to pay an extraordinary price to pick up a play, a defenseman because there's hope that you can find a player of his caliber. I mean, he's he's going to get a new contract after this year, and I'm I think that's something the Leafs have to prepare for because I think I would get ahead of it as soon as possible and give him five year deal in the range of twenty to twenty five million dollars. He's been that good and. He's been quietly putting up some pretty decent points too. I think he's got almost yep. twenty points, which is which is pretty good for a rookie defenseman. He he's not got the the flash of uh, the Zach Wierenski, but he's put up some pretty good numbers for them. And it's really nice to see that you know the Leafs can still go out and and use their financial might to find these these guys that fall fell through the cracks. And you know it's. Russia's been a pretty good place for the Leafs these past couple of months, and hopefully they can continue to find another another guy like a Zaitsev or a Sashnikov, because uh, that would that'd be great moving forward. But he's been amazing. Defense, penalty kill, plays, I think, second most on the team. Like I said, if any of the three defensemen went down for the Leafs, it would be catastrophic. I think Zaitsev would be the second worst behind Riley, because he's been a godsend for this team. Cool. Yeah, Zaitsev was on my list too. Um, for me, it went. I, it was between Zaitsev, Mitch Marner, and Austin Matthews, who has been. I, I thought he'd be really good, you know, really, really good. But this has been amazing. But the I guy for me that I picked really, was. Really that, well, yeah, but I mean, did you think he was going to be this good? Oh, like well, taking the league by storm, good. 
I thought he was going to win Rookie of the Year. I mean, yeah, but dude, this is this is beyond winning Rookie of the Year now. <laughs> he's been ridiculously good. It's insane how good he's been, actually. Yeah. But for me, I picked uh, Jake Gardner. I mean, when you think about where this guy was a couple of years ago, Randy Carlisle, you know, he had no confidence. Carlisle had no confidence in him either. Um, they were asking him to play physical hockey, and he's just a pure skater. And Mike Babcock's system has been a perfect fit for him. You know, he's been able to be aggressive, jump in a lot of plays. He's cut down his turnovers, and he's been the Leafs' best defenseman in five-on-five five scenarios this year. I, I wasn't expecting that in the preseason, so for me, he's been the biggest surprise. But you can make a strong case for all the other guys as well. Um, if you want to read the rest of the awards and grades and everything else we handed out for the midseason, you can go on the site and you can do that. You can find all that stuff there. Before we go, guys, I got to ask you a few questions though about you know the second half. Um, does this team do they crack 100 points? I mean, they're on pace right now to crack roughly just shy of 100. Are they going to crack 100? What are your thoughts? No, I just don't see it. I mean, that's just that's such a a high number. I mean, that's somehow squeezing out 50 wins would be. Like the equivalent, obviously there's there's overtime lots and shootout losses, but that seems like a reach. That would be a almost a thirty point jump, no? Didn't they have like seventy points last year? Uh well, Yeah, well they bottomed out last year yeah. too, right? I mean And they, they also have a they also have a tough uh stretch of games coming up. I mean they're not gonna be playing the Arizonas or or um the Colorados anymore. The, all those Terrible teams are out of the way. They're playing the Rangers this week. They got to play Montreal a lot more. Ottawa's pretty a good team. They got to play Tampa, who's going to come on. You got to go down to Florida for that trip. Got to go to California and play those teams. So uh, that seems like a stretch for me. A hundred points. If they break ninety, I'd be happy with that. I'm I'm going to go with about ninety four, just because I, I think they'll get over ninety points just the way they play. It's it's gonna come down to if they go on a small run, like right now would be a good time for them to kind of pack up the points. And I think they will have a they will have a, a a time where they struggle, and that it might be a good thing for them just to kind of overcome a bit of uh, a bit of an adversity. And I think the California trip will be their will be their toughest test. I mean, all three of the California teams are playing reasonably well. They've given this team a tough time. I mean, they lost. Well, they've lost all three games against the California teams at home, so on the road it's even tougher. And the Metropolitan Division, I mean, geez, that, that division has just been a goal fest. So maybe that style of play will will suit them a little bit more. I mean, Pittsburgh's always the tough one. I mean, Washington they've they've kind of they split that series and they split against Pittsburgh. New York again with the way that Longfist is playing, they don't scare me as much. And then the teams like Carolina could always surprise Columbus. Uh, I'd like to see how they play against Columbus. So there's there's teams that are going to test them, and that might be the best thing for them because if they if they really want to get into the playoffs, they're really going to have to show that they've earned it, and this is when they have to show it. The month of February is going to be really tough. I mean, the schedule's daunting, like you're saying. So that'll be where we determine you know how far this team's going to go. Uh, building on the points thing, though, playoffs, yes or no, guys. I'm going to say yes just because I don't think Ottawa makes it and I don't think Boston makes it. I think it's going to be Tampa that makes <coughs> sorry, uh Tampa is going to is going to find a way to come back in that division. Uh I don't think Florida is good enough this year, so I think the division will be Montreal, 
And I think Tampa could squeak. So Montreal, Tampa, and Toronto for the top three in the division. I think it's going to be really tight till the end. I think they will make it, though. I think they'll probably probably be the third seed in their division or they get the final wild card spot because, I mean, Ottawa's not going away. They're a good, they're a good team, as we yeah, saw. Yeah, they're a good team. On the weekend. Boston is not. I mean, I just feel that they're going to fall off somewhere. I just got to think that Tampa Bay or Florida are going to come out of nowhere. I mean, they're still only, what, three points back? And the amount of injuries that Tampa Bay's had is just incredible. And there's just too much talent on that team for me to put them to bed. So I think they'll make it, but it'll be close. I think they'll make it too. I mean, I think they're just going to squeak in. They'll finish probably third, you know, get that third seed, play the not have home ice play. I don't know. I, I think Tampa, but that, a lot has to go right for Tampa still. I mean, I'd like to see that. So we'll see. We'll see. But I do think they make the playoffs. On that note, enjoy the game tomorrow night, guys, when the New York Rangers come to town, and we'll see what happens with King Henrik Lundqvist and his struggles. Um, if you like what you're listening, as always, you can subscribe to the show on iTunes and SoundCloud at Tip of the Tower. You can follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Tip of the Tower. You can follow myself on Twitter at Chris O'Kranitz. You can follow Jake on Twitter at Jake Middleton 12 You can follow Dave on Twitter at D underscore Morrisuti. Until next week, guys, enjoy the Leafs games. We'll be back next week, same time, talk about all this again. Take care. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, Place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager. Only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.